Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, September 1st, marks our 187th program. Today's featured Actus solution is the 2021 Actus National Conference. After a year in which we had to cancel our 2020 event, we are stepping forward here at Actus to make ourselves and the CDI profession stronger than ever. We hope you can join us October 25th through 28th in Dallas, Texas for the return of our conference. We've got a great program outlined here, four tracks, uh, as well as two digital tracks that will be provided to attendees after the program. Um, all the same education you've come to expect and love with Actus. In Dallas, uh, October 25th through 28th, we hope you consider joining us there. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Multidisciplinary Malnutrition Capture. We have with us today our familiar co-host, Sharm Brody. Sharm is an instructor for the CDI Boot Camps and a subject matter expert for Actus. She has more than 35 years of uh, experience in the healthcare industry, including CDI consulting, is now, of course, an instructor for our boot camps, member of our certification committees, or Actus Regulatory Committee, and a very familiar face on this program. So welcome, Sharm. Hi, thank you, Brian. And as Brian said, I hope to see you all at the conference. If I don't get a chance between now and then to say that, um, right. it'll be a good time. It will. Next, I'd like to introduce our special guest for today. We have with us Annalyn Delapo-Simon. Uh, Annalyn is the Director of CDI for UCSD in La Jolla, California. She's been a nurse for 31 years, more than that now, with experience in orthopedics, telemetry, trauma, <laughs> neuro, surgical intensive care, dialysis, home care. She's had uh, many roles leading up to her position in CDI, including AIDS case manager nurse with the Medicaid waiver program. UCSD Medical Ma Managed Care Program Manager, Inpatient Case Management, and UR Nurse, um, and many, many more. UCSD Burn and Wound Research Nurse, really just a real broad and, and interesting clinical background. And of course, now is the Director of CDI for her organization, and we're glad to have her on. So welcome, Annalyn. Thank you, Brian. All right. So. Let's go ahead and get started. We're gonna, we're gonna ask a poll question of our attendees related to today's topic. Um, I'm gonna pull that up on your screen now. You should be seeing that. And we ask you to please click the option that best pertains to you. We are asking you today, what is your biggest obstacle to capturing severe or other forms of malnutrition? Your, and your options are none. Maybe you capture this diagnosis pretty well. Is it inconsistent application of clinical criteria? Maybe you're running into EHR or other process hangups in the capture of malnutrition. Uh, payer denials, maybe you're, maybe you're capturing it, but the payers um, are saying otherwise. <laughs> or other, and you know, if, if there is something other, please do send your response. I'm gonna be monitoring those during the show and I'll try to work some of those in. So again, what is your biggest obstacle to capturing severe or, or other forms of malnutrition? Is it none? 
is it clinical criteria and, in, and inconsistent application? Maybe it's your EHR or other processes, payer denials, or other. All right, we've got about 70% of our audience has voted, so I will go ahead and close this out and we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. All right, as I mentioned, Andalyn Delapo-Simon, thanks for joining the show today. You, you were on, I think, a couple of years ago, and we're, we're very glad to have you back to talk about uh, your, your facility's um, case study of capturing um, malnutrition, specifically severe malnutrition. And you, as you mentioned to me right before the show started, it, it just in a complete coincidence, it is uh, it is National Nutrition Week. I did not plan the show that way. It just lined up uh, and 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 just um, you know just a just a sheer co coincidence. So um, I'm I'm glad to have you on at this time. And as we said, maybe we can we can do the show every year on on National Nutrition Week. But. Um, why don't we start by having you talk a little bit about the CDI program there again, just to give folks context, your, both how you're staffed and what your objectives and metrics are. And then, you know, maybe talk about what prompted this need to Im improve malnutrition capture. You know, was it, was it underreporting, inefficiency, denials, maybe all the above? Maybe you could set the stage for us here. Okay. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, I started in the CDI about 2006 and been with UCSD since then. Um, so our staffing, we're actually uh, budgeted for about 11.5. Uh, currently, we're at 8.4. We, um, you know, we had uh, some hits during the pandemic, um, you know, with um, the pandemic and, and COVID admin and, and, and all the other stuff. Um, our metrics uh, you had wanted to know uh, what we our key performance metrics are basically surgical no capture rate for all capture uh, all pair and also medical we focus on decreasing the no capture rate versus increasing because you know we we thought that would be a better use of our time um, and uh, we also follow uh, the DRG match between the coding and CDS so we can tee up um, the uh, DRG for the coding for final code and then our mortality OE. And so our goals is to keep it less than 0.654 in our order to be in um, uh, competitive with the uh, other academic medical centers. Um, so what basically what we do is we do about 3000 reviews, about approximately 300 queries every month or so. And we are doing targeted uh, payers, Medicare, senior products, and also all payer for specific service lines like trauma, AM, um, AMIs, strokes. Um, and so what basically uh, had us uh, try to improve our uh, capture of malnutrition is our malnutrition capture per our EPIC EMR indicated that we were only capturing about 6%. And I think the industry standard was about 12. And at that point we thought, well, we can only go up. <laughs> and so hmm. that's what started our process. Uh, I'll be writing this uh, in my California Actus newsletter. Um, and uh, this also started the project as well too. This actually initially started out as a quality project. And uh, and basically the, our uh, physician advisor, Dr. Cordarolo, who is the main uh, author of the paper, uh, did this as a quality project. Gotcha. Yeah. Actually, Sharon, mm -hmm. before I turn it over to you, I should let the audience know that 
this show came about because you guys had published an article in the uh, Nutrition in Clinical Practice, which is a publication of, it's actually the Journal of Aspen. Uh, it's a peer-reviewed publication with a focus on the delivery of specialized nutrition support. So really interesting article that's been published by Aspen about your experience there. And so that's what led to this. But I'll, I'll turn it over to you here, Sharm. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you back a little bit. So in 2015, your nutrition uh, department adopted the AND and Aspen clinical characteristics and implemented the nutrition-focused physical exam assessment. Um, gives the acronym NFPE slash A into its clinical practice. Can you talk how it was done um, across so wide a care team and some of the biggest challenges you faced with this? Because nutrition is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, basically, I, I sent to Brian a, um, a little snippet of the PowerPoint, and, and it kind of shows where we started out as in the beginning. Um, there's a, an arrow there where um, we started out basically doing the workshop run by the nutrition department. We had a hospitalist and a family medicine um, champion who also took the workshop. And then all of my team took the workshop. So the CDSs uh, learned um, the NFP alongside the dietitian. So we all learned together because at that point, um, you know, no one really knew what the definition was. And so, you know, people, physicians were giving me articles from Paris a long time ago, 1997. <laughs> it wasn't really specific. And I was really so happy that an, an association actually clarified that. And so, <laughs> and so everybody's seeing this uh, laboratory data and not including the criteria and six of the characteristics of malnutrition. Oh, wow, paradigm shift. That was a big paradigm shift because, you know, at that point, <laughs> They were saying pre-albumin's low, albumin's low, but it was actually a really good indicator of of, of inflammation. Um, so this is one of my one of my presentations I did way back, almost eight years ago, and it still works um, because it was a shift. And so you know we did a presentation to Coding, um, who is, has been a great partner in all of this, and also we created a EMR malnutrition drop list and. Um, basically co continue to work on that. And also the RD is also notified the physicians as well, uh, what uh, if the patients made a nutritional diagnosis, uh, whether that be malnutrition, mild, moderate, unspecified and or severe. And um, we also had a template as well too. And then as for CDS, since we're, we're on-site and front-facing and the face of the query, we updated all our teaching materials, provided handouts, and we did. Um, we also do the boot camps for family medicine, medicine, and surgery. And then in uh, 2016, we were able to put it into the internal resident handbook, um, and we used the AND criteria for malnutrition in their handbook in collaboration with Brian Richards, who is a nutrition manager. And we uh, continue to do the education uh, for surgery and medicine. And in 2019, in collaboration with the CMIO, IS, Dr. Corderola Nutrition, we developed a smart link in the EMR um, where the RD flow sheet with all their notes and all their criteria actually drops into the EMR discharge summary. And it's fully editable. And it's also, you know, you can also delete it as well too. But we always ask the interns, well, why did you delete it? You know, what, what did you think? Did you disagree? Um, and so 
you know, I, I know there's one of the questions, what was the pushback? Um, one of the push, one of the more creative pushbacks that I got was, well, Anna Lynn, she's a petite Asian female. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so am I, but I eat, <laughs> you know, please focus on intake. Uh, please focus on the weight loss. Please focus, you know, just because somebody looks petite, even the morbidly obese sometimes can have malnutrition, but they're not eating. That's the thing. And they're losing some weight. They're losing protein. They're losing muscle mass. They're losing fab. And so, um, you know, we basically had to teach our entire uh, organization on how to do this. And, and we've got really great feedback. So if you go to the next one, they said, well, Adeline, can you just make it easier for us? This is just a pictorial view of what happened since 2013 when we all collaborated. Our, remember our goal, our actual was actually 6%. And so we slowly cra crawled up and got to eight and 12.6 is the current uh, at this point. And so we continue to do the um, on-site boot camps for uh, surgery and medicine and family medicine. Um, and then we also follow it up with education and being on the floors and just making sure that, hey, don't forget that malnutrition. And also identifying uh, providers who don't use um, the EPIC. Uh, sometimes they like to, to dictate. And so we, we always keep an eye out for those providers who prefer to dictate because then we have to re remind them and query while they're in-house. So, mm. so if you go to the next one, sure. this is the AMR, the SmartLink. And so, and this was created by our CIO, uh, CMIO, and, you know, Wildcard here, additional can delete if not needed. <laughs> we, but we always ask, hey, but why, why did you not agree? Let me know. Because sometimes it's just an educational opportunity, and that get, lets us know, hey, I have to talk with this provider about what he knows about smart uh, malnutrition. Maybe, you know, we can meet one-on-one. Because there are so many things. Malnutrition is a HCC, MCC, CC, and also Vivian. And also works for your LX Hauser as well, too. Mm. Um, and so the next one, and then we also have a video because they said, well, what do they actually really do? And so we have a video. <laughs> I won't dare to pull that up on the show, but there is there is a video here. Maybe we can include some of these as links in the show notes, if you don't mind, Annalyn, for folks to, to watch after the show. I really appreciate you sharing some of this with us. You know, you, you, you already talked a little bit about the positive impacts you've made. I think you said you went from 6% to 8 to currently 12.6% capture rate. Um, can mm -hmm. you just talk about some of the improvements, you know, you, you, you've made there um, as well as the, the impacts that have, that have occurred subsequent to this capture on, you know, reimbursement quality metrics. You also, one of the things I liked in your article was you pointed out how it actually has um, maybe saved some costs. You, you know, you, obviously mm -hmm. there, there's going to be higher payment for your hospital potentially here. I'm not going out mm -hmm. of the box by saying that, but you're, you've actually cut down on some of this unnecessary testing and other things to get the the um, the diagnosis in there. So could you talk a little bit about that for our audience today? Yes. Um, you know, Dr. Corderolo in her paper uh, mentioned uh, that she, that other hospitals who are also talking about things we do for no, abs no reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is an article by the hospital here. And one of them was running albumin all the time and pre-albumin. Um, you know, not that it can't be used, but the thing is that it was a better indicator of uh, inflammation rather than, um, you know, uh, malnutrition. And, you know, if you go all the way back to that paradigm shift with a little bird coming out, um, that was a big, uh, a big educational opportunity because we still had surgeons that said pre-albumin low, malnutrition. 
And so, you know, we wanted to make sure we captured it as accurately as possible. And that's supported by the content experts, which is and and Aspen. And that's what we follow um, for malnutrition. So, mm. Good work there. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, can um, I tell you, one of the things that you've said is that I really like the fact that you said that your team um, participated in a workshop. Collaboration is really nice and absolutely agree that we should be collaborating with our our dietitians but a workshop that just it was it's it stuck with me the minute you said it i thought oh that was such a good idea mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah and we we had to understand what they were doing because we generally what we've told us we were not touchy feely people but you know you can't really do an nft without it and we understood oh you know, because there, there are times when you cannot do an NFT, like a person who's actively dying or on hospice. So this yeah. is when the CDSs get activated, and we look for all those clues, the cachexia, the wasting. We have to know those things. We cannot not know those things. And so it was really good for us to participate. And that, at that point, I only had three CDSs and myself. And, um, you know, there was also... I think pivotal because it helped us get to top five in Vivian that particular year. So that truly was really good. Um, but yeah, and the thing is that the UCSD still does the Nash, um, a, a national workshop at UCSD Jacobs. Um, it's been virtual last year because of the pandemic, but we still continue to do that to teach others and our community about malnutrition. Oh, very good. Great. All right, so let's talk about some of the heavy hitters. So you've seen the Office and Inspector General release, um, released a report in 2020 about severe malnutrition, and many payers have also put this diagnosis in their sights. I think it's been in their sights for quite a while. Do you have any fears that you might be a bigger target? Have you experienced any denials or pay a pushback on the criteria you are using as a result of um, this project? Or has it strengthened everything and the denials are, are less. I'm just like, because you are using more rigorous, in my opinion, criteria. So is it a help? Does it hurt? I do have a big bullseye on your back. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, um, you know, the thing is that I, I believe that our goals were pretty realistic. We didn't want to be the very top of the most. Uh, I think that we only compared ourselves to the top AMCs where we know we have a really sick population coming towards us with our cancer center, our trauma, our transplants and all that stuff. And so we, we really kept a modest goal. And the other thing is that the multidisciplinary malnutrition, when you look at the nutritionist notes, they're fairly complex, they're fairly full of all the information and it's echoed throughout the chart with nursing picking up the documentation and then the spot the physicians picking up the diagnosis and signing off on the recommendations like the megase for appetite stimulation um, the daily weights and the protocols that are, are initiated because our content experts the dietitians i defend identified these diagnoses so it's that definitely a multidisciplinary malnutrition with a nod towards our content experts, the nutritionists. All right. Good. Well, Annalyn, this has been great. Really appreciate your time on the show and explaining this process thoroughly and the success you've had. Are there just maybe any, um, any final takeaways for our audience that you want to say if, if someone's listening and I'm, I'm already seeing comments about folks asking about the smart link, the smart link and how that works with the problem list and sharing any malnutrition templates. Just, you've really got a great response here, but any, any 
takeaways uh, for our audience uh, on this topic? Well, I, you know, we're an academic medical center, so we always have job security every July when the interns come. <laughs> every, now, every now and then it gets deleted by accident because people forget what's why it was nice there. So we always get to come back every July, um, no matter what. Um, and, you know, the thing is that I think as long as we all support each other and know our scope, and respect our scopes. At CDI, I know what my scope is. I know what the nutritionist scope is. I know what the physician's scope is and the privilege of diagnosis. And I always tell my interns, you've earned that right of privilege of diagnosis. We need your assistance if you agree with this uh, dietitian who has been trained on NSP, um, you know, to, to provide your feedback. Um, you know, if you agree, document in the EMR. If you disagree, please let us know. I need a response. And then we also have a team that's out there and working with our interns and residents during a pandemic and supporting them. Mm. Yeah, we're going to get into the pandemic a little bit more in just a moment here. But before we do, I wanted to just quickly share our poll results. Again, we asked our audience today, what is your biggest obstacle to capturing severe or other forms of malnutrition? Highest bucket, 35% said inconsistent application of clinical criteria. Uh, 24%, about a quarter, say they don't have significant problems and capture that diagnosis well. 22% payer denials, 10% EHR process hangups, and then 9% other. And I will um, we'll take a look to see what those other responses were here. But any, any thoughts on this, uh, Annalyn, from your perspective on these poll results? Anything here surprise you or not? I'm surprised about the inconsistent application of clinical criteria. The criteria are pretty clear, you know, but right. I think maybe the interpretation of it, uh, and maybe we can probably do more education for, uh, you know, the clinical staff. Um, um, also, with the CDS team, participating in a workshop at your hospital really helps, you know. Mm -hmm. I, and I now understand, you know, people, why people are lifting up bed sheets to look at legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the legs don't lie. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that, Annalyn. Just a couple other comments here that came in um, for some of the other results. <clears throat> Physician writing, uh, supporting documentation once dietaries provided their con consult findings. So, yeah, maybe that echoed physician documentation is not there to support dietary. Uh, physicians not answering the query, that's probably a, a valid. Um, one else says educating providers on the criteria is a is their biggest obstacle. Um, and someone else said providers are not documenting the malnutrition, even with an RD documenting the diagnosis in the record. So again, sort of that non-agreement there between the dietitian and the, maybe the uh, attending physician. So interesting stuff. Appreciate everyone's responses here. All right, I'm going to, at this point, switch over to our In the News segment of the show. If you don't mind me, I'm going to go ahead and just pull something up here for those that are on the live program today. So In the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today's um, item I wanted to comment on is not necessarily a news item per se, although 
it was just recently published on the Actus website, so it does have that kind of immediacy angle. If you're not checking out what we're publishing on our blog, I recommend that you do. Uh, this article in particular caught my eye. Uh, really wanted to share it here. I, I, you know, we, we've only got a few minutes left, um, and I'll sort of summarize what's in here. But this is a guest post from Marlene Goodwin Isola. Um, and it's really about the emotional toll that has taken, that's been uh, been placed on actually CDI professionals as a result of the pandemic. We know and we respect and we, we empathize with all the frontline providers providing patient care. But this particular article is really about folks reviewing the charts of patients that have been admitted with COVID-19 and and and. In many instances, the outcome was not good for that patient. A lot of mortalities, as we know, um, and really what that means for the reviewer who's sort of following the charts every day and and can see the, the progress or regression of the patient. And um, just a really good article here. And she it just it starts with a, a little bit of a story she tells about um, a colleague who was leaving the CDI profession because it was too sad. Um, that she had been, she had had previous experience as a bedside RN on a telemetry unit and explained that that often did not have the frequency of a grim prognosis for the patient. Um, and, you know, since then, since the pandemic that this person had been responsible and, and now the author for reviewing most of the charts of the patients with COVID-19 since March 2020, Really, she was able to feel the fear and uncertainty of the clinical team at the bedside doing the best they could with continually evolving treatment. You know, just in the early days, she talks about here the um, less frequent ventilator use, use and in, in subsequent discontinuation of hydro, uh, hydrocloxychloroquine, um, ivermectin, to name a few, addition of um, remdesivir, convalescent plasma, some of the other treatments that were tried and dropped. Um, some some frank information here about you know patients not being admitted without without wanting to 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 get the vaccine and having that unfortunately um, hurt them in their outcome. She mentions here the intent of her blog is not political, just to express the sadness that this virus is still in many respects winning. So, you know, it really um, an article that I thought was extremely powerful, and it's something I think we might not always think about when we think of CDI work. You know, we, we think about uh, that we're no longer at the bedside, that we're able to review charts, in some cases remotely, and maybe that indicates some level of removal from what's actually going on on the hospital floor. But in this instance, um, and as documentation gets better and we get closer to "Quote unquote," closer to these these admissions through, you know, the power of what we're seeing in Epic and and these continual updates that they get to know. And she says here at the end, the irony is that although a CDI specialist does not have hands-on care of our patients, we actually get to know them on an intimate inside look of their whole being. And I found myself wanting to whisper in the patient's ear that we tried our best, but our best could not beat the the virus. Uh, sad entry, but she says she feels very privileged that she could be a part of the patient's care. Um, so if you don't do anything else from this show, I recommend you go and, and check out this article and give it a read. And um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the the uh, 
the CDI director would love to hear from you as well. Her email address is in here. But curious, Annalyn, I know you you guys have had your, your own hardships out in California, obviously, with, with COVID and how this um, how this experience mirrors your own, if at all. Yeah, I, I, I totally resonate with that. I remember sending my staff home um, for eight weeks and being the only CDI person in at UCSD. And it was it was eerie because hardly anyone was there. But you know, we have a ringside seat of tragedy and also triumph, and we can't look away. It's part of our job description to be the analytical person. Um, and but no, I mean, and I'm speaking at this to the universe app now. No CDS is that your contributions are very important to the body of research that will help our providers, our research, and the who beat this virus. You know, please practice your self care and practice gratitude because sometimes. That is the biggest lesson in all of this is that sometimes though you may see and witness this, you know, it really makes you really treasure your loved ones more, your friends and your family. Mm. And um, also, you know, being active. I mean, I vaccinated. That was my coping mechanism. I did the Petco uh, vaccination and that really helped me a lot from being the sidelines to really participating and probably helping stop or slow down the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Volunteer, whatever you can do. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Annalyn. I think those are some helpful strategies, you know, maintaining a good mindset, being active, volunteering, all good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, really appreciate it. Just one last thing before we wrap up here. I'm not going to do an ACTUS update. We're at the top of the hour. But just as a reminder, our 2022 speaking applications for the conference are now open. I'm going to just navigate back here to the home page. If you just take a look right at the top, um, ACTUS 2022, we're, we're going to be back in Florida. We're, we're back on our regular May rotation, and we're actually our speak, our accepting speaker applications through Friday of this week. So get those in if you haven't. It's a very easy process to apply. Go right to the homepage on actus.org. Click here on the top banner and get your speaking application in if you want to join us in Florida. Again, accepted speakers, we do waive your admission as well as um, a co-presenter. So it's a way to um, to get on the podium, spread your knowledge, be part of this the great education that Actus provides, and uh, and frankly, to get a free trip to the conference. You know, in terms of waiving admission. So I hope you can join us next year if you can't make it to the conference this year. Okay, we're going to go ahead and and, uh, wrap up the show. That will do it for today's edition of the Actus podcast. So we're going to be back here actually again in one week, not two weeks. Two weeks, as we know, um, as you may or may not know, will be in the heart of CDI week. So we wanted to skip our regular cadence, get our get our show in next week. Uh, we're bringing another clinical show on the table, Community Acquired Pneumonia, some of the coding and clinical updates around this um, these series of diagnoses. So hope you can join us for that show. As always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can, re- you can reach me at bmurphy at actus.org. All right, that will do it. Thanks again, Annalyn, for joining. For everyone else, we'll see you back here again in one week.